Welcome back to another edition of the One Giant Podcast. As we had mentioned on a previous episode, we were looking to line up some pretty exciting guests to be able to get even more insight, news, and notes around the New York football giants. And with that, we welcome in Zach Fishbein. He comes in from Giants 24-7. You can follow him on Instagram at Giants.247. Doing a fantastic job just with updates around player news, some cuts, releases, trade targets, draft targets, free agent targets, all the, all the things that you really want to be kept up to speed on when it comes to the New York Giants. You've been doing a fantastic job. Zach, thanks for joining us in here. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely. So we, we come out of this combine weekend, as we know, we're, we're coming in here on a Wednesday, so a few days removed from it. When you look back at it, there had been some, some players that Andy and I had discussed, obviously some big risers in this one. I had been just so all in on the idea of stealing Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame. Now it looks like his stock is really rising. What are you hearing post-combine in terms of where the Giants were maybe looking as they went into that combine weekend and now where they're going to have to maybe make some adjustments based on how some players either maybe underperformed or overperformed expectations over the weekend? Yeah, sure. So I think the big three names that, that proved their stock um, at the top of the draft board are Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons, uh, Tristan Wirfs, and um, Becton at Louisville. So, you know, those three names are almost guaranteed a top 10 pick now. Um, before, that, that wasn't the case. So if you're looking at a trade-down scenario, then, you know, you know, you're not sure if you're going to get that offensive tackle. So I think those three names kind of solidify themselves. The name I keep hearing slipping is Jed, Jedrick Wills, who was going at, you know, number four in a lot of mock drafts. Um, but that name's not as hot right now, um, you know, whether that's combined performance or not. Um, you know, a lot of people think that Austin Jackson – will still be there in the, in the, the second round. So not taking an offensive tackle at that number four pick uh, could, be, could be an option for Gettleman. But, you know, that's another name that I keep hearing coming closer to the, the end of the first round. So, you know, a lot of these names that people kept saying sleepers, even for the early second, are now creeping up into the first. Um, I don't think there were too many surprising performances in the combine to really push you know, somebody down the, down the draft board, you know, the Giants can steal in the second round. Uh, I think it's more about who performed at the top of the draft board and what does that mean in terms of a trade-down scenario if the Giants chose to go that route. Yeah, they're definitely, from a Giants perspective, felt like you're getting into this weird gap where you'd like to think that maybe the Giants get lucky and Austin Jackson could be that name in the second round depending on where they go in the first but it feels like the Giants are kind of getting pushed into this gap there, the back end of the first and then early second, where a lot of these players that you want to look at are probably going back in first round. So unless you get into these trade down scenarios with a Jacksonville or with the Las Vegas Raiders, where you're, you're backing up significantly and to your point, missing out on some of these top tackle talents, certainly, then you're giving yourself multiple options still in the first round, maybe multiple trade down scenarios, but I don't know how much you can rely on that given that Dave Gettleman does not have a history, a zero history of making those type of moves. And with the way some of these high talent players performed at the combine, it almost makes it seem like you can lock the giants in to maybe stay at number four and just take that quote, best talent available for themselves. You know, worse is that one name too, just as the footnote, do you think that he came out of that combine? A lot of the talk was 
He can be a solid, strong tackle for you, or he can be a dominant guard if you kick him inside. Do you think that the Giants will still take a player like that that high if, it, if that's the, the, the theory on what you want to do with him? And, and ultimately, if the Giants were to take Wirfs high in the draft, you have to assume that they believe he's a tackle talent, that they're going to plug in at right or maybe develop into the left tackle at some point down the line, right? Yeah, he's an interesting name. Um, I don't think they'll take him um, just because I, I don't think they're going to go right tackle in the draft. Wirfs hasn't really played too much left. Um, and it, it, we don't need a guard, right? So it's definitely interesting. Um, I, I think they're looking more towards a Andrew Thomas or a, a Becton. Um, and, it, you know, you're right. This has solidified that Gettleman probably won't trade down if he does trade down not too far. Um, because now once you're clouding the, the second uh, selection, you know, in the top of the second round, he just needs to get top talent. and and. You know, Gettleman has never really wanted to trade down away from top talent. He's he's specifically said top talent is the key thing in his drafts. So, yeah, I don't really see him going beyond. You know, I think the Colts might be the the, the latest first round pick that he would back up to. Um, but still, you're not really guaranteeing any top talent there. Uh, where whether they fall in love with Werps or not, I just I haven't really been hearing that. Um, I've been hearing more um, Becton. That's a hot name right now. You know, he, he looks like a mauler going into the combine, and then he just proved that he's a freak. Um, and, you know, he, he moves like Jason Peters to me. Uh, you know, I think they think they have a hole at left tackle, and they can slide over Solder. But they have to do something. Yeah, it does make sense. And that has been – Becton's been the big name. I think Thomas has been the interesting one just because he came into the, to the combine, comes into the draft process as being – seen as the number one left tackle hasn't done anything to diminish that value and yet you've seen some other guys start to shuffle their way up that board around him so it'll be interesting to see what the Giants end up doing overall to fourth now on the tails of this in the background free agency news comes out that the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to tag in Gakwe this has been a name connected to the New York Giants if he were to hit the free agent market uh, obviously there'd be a positional need and interest with the Giants but now with that tag in place it makes it seem like it's all but impossible for the Giants to make a move where they're going to be giving up draft assets, knowing that they had already given up that third round pick in the trade for Leonard Williams. Where do the Giants go now if they're looking into free agency? And I guess really, you know, have you heard anything around that, that clowny conversation? Because this is a discussion that Andy and I have had where for whatever reason, I just don't look at Clowney as being the player that I necessarily want to bring in, especially for the dollar amount that it's going to cost in free agency. I probably said, 24 years old, Ngakwe is the guy. And if you don't get him, take that big step back, maybe look for some depth in free agency, and then continue to address those needs through the draft. Right. Personally, I agree with that. And I haven't heard too much about Clowney to the Giants outside of media uh, speculation because it makes sense on paper, I guess. They need an edge rusher. He's the top edge rusher available. He's not going to be a sign-and-trade scenario. He's going to be somebody we can sign. Um, but I just haven't been hearing that. And, and I think this – this front office is scared about health a lot. You, you probably heard of the, the, the Evan Ingram um, comments recently about how they're, that was, the rumor is that they're scared of, scared of his health. Mm-hmm. I think they feel the same way about Clowney. Um, and, you know, it comes at a price that at his age, it's not terrible, but I, I just don't think they pull the trigger there. So Clowney's an option. 
Um, if you if you're okay with sign and trade, and you know, and Gawkway's still there, Bud Dupree just got franchised as well. Um, you know, you're looking at a Vic Beasley, um, but Dante Fowler even. Um, but I think that the real secondary option here is not to do anything. Um, is to just, you know, it's the same uh, philosophy as a Chris Ballard or a John Lynch kind of have, where if the tab ta talent isn't there, you don't pay for it and you keep your salary cap. I think the one wrinkle that th throws a wrench into the system here is that Gettleman's on a short leash. You know, he has to kind of prove that the picks that he made were right and he knows what he's doing this year. Um, so in general, I, you know, I thought Gettleman's kind of predictable. I, I think the only bad move really he made is the, the Leonard Williams trade uh, and then some other ones were questionable. But in general, he's pretty predictable in terms of cap. Um, but the wrench in the system is that he needs to perform. He might need to bring in somebody like a clowny um, just to develop the team more. Um, but, you know, he might even go down, get, just get some solid talent like a, a Frankie Luvu out of, you know, the Jets, who's, you know, two years into the league solid guy but the, the you know the talent is just not there and i don't see the giants trading draft capital to get a name like ingakwe no again yeah all things being equal open opportunity and free agent i think the giants jump at that uh, to get ingakwe in the door but the additional assets hurts as well and then i guess just the, the quick footnote uh, on this position and free agency there's is there any conversation about golden returning to this team or is that just an automatic he's out the door there's going to be a paycheck from somewhere else and the combination of maybe a one-hit wonder kind of year for him you also have a coaching change come over here as well so he is he just kind of out of out of place here now with the giants or is there any possibility that they would look to retain him no there's a possibility um when you looked at that signing last year you, yeah you lost the compensatory pick um, and you looked at the money and you said, okay, this is really a two-year deal, not a four-year deal. And they're probably going to cut him after two years because he's getting up there in age, regardless of production, right? Um, since the suspension, now we can void his bonuses um, and guaranteed money. Yeah, they could trade him. I mean, sorry, they could release him. Um, I just don't see it happening, which doesn't make sense on the cap table. But at the same time, they want to keep – a receiver for Daniel Jones. I haven't heard really much coming out of the Giants camp that they'll be cutting him, uh, even though it does make sense on paper. And they had the cap space, right? So if they if they start signing a Conklin, you know, they somehow get Nagakwe and they, they need to sign him too. Yeah, you start worrying about cap. But until those those dominoes fall, I I, just, I think they have him for one more year and then they come out of the out of the roster. Well, actually, that that works perfectly because that's a that's a worthwhile note here in this offseason, and I, I think the Giants will hold on to him. But let's go uh, to that defensive side of the ball and say Marcus Golden. I apologize. What, have you uh, heard anything about the Giants maybe thinking about retaining him as well? <laughs> and by the way, the Golden, what, what are the chances that you have that you have Golden two Goldens on, on the same team? But uh, the tape piece is still important, and I think that relatively speaking, that cap space affords them the option just to let him play this out. Uh, but from a defensive perspective, uh, do you think that Marcus Golden has any return value on this team now knowing that maybe there isn't a big free agent name, what does that price tag look like? And does he really have a fit here? Or does it feel like maybe, again, you know, this was great, great season you had, nice stat numbers, but I don't know if, if that's really something that you can expect consistency from him over, the, over a two- or three-year contract. 
Well, you never thought you had to be specific about a guy named Golden. <laughs> um, yeah, so Marcus Golden, it, it's all about the price tag. It's all about the price tag. Um, everybody points at the sack numbers, great sack numbers, but production just wasn't there. Um, you know, every system you look at, whether it's a generic, you know, NFL metrics or even the, the pro football focus type of numbers, you know, he just wasn't effective. And I don't think it's a long-term solution. Um, you're, you would expect those sack numbers to come down. Um, and, you know, the Giants aren't stupid. They, they get that. Um, so it's all about the price tag. If he comes in at a reasonable price, yeah, maybe you do another two-year deal or something like that. Um, but I don't think that that front office thinks that he's the solution there. Um, I think they thought it was a Band-Aid last year to see how he did. And I don't think he, he performed favor- favorably enough for him to, you know, get that massive deal he might be looking for. Um, so, yeah, they might retain him uh, to a short-term deal if the prices are right. Um, but, you know, he came in with that defensive coordinator out of the Cardinals, right? And that was the, that was the goal was that um, get him with uh, Bechter and then they can work together to, to have that same type of season that Golden had a couple of years ago. Um, and, you know, sack numbers were, were the same, but performance was not. Um, and now the defensive quarter is out. Judge and his regime is in. I don't know. I just don't see it. Yeah, and we, we've had these talks, too, about how sometimes these stat lines, I know that a lot of fans want to look at sack numbers, and, and that feels like it's the end-all, be-all. It's one of the pieces around Leonard Williams and how this is a player that actually is very effective, hurries, pressures, getting to the quarterback, affecting plays from a timing standpoint. And then if you don't see the sack, though, sometimes that's what turns fans off to a player thinking about what his value is. And then likewise for Golden, you hear fans that say, come on, look at the numbers, 10 sacks. This is a guy who got to the quarterback. It's what we need. But when you go inside, as you mentioned, the pro football focus numbers really don't don't favor Marcus Golden as being someone that you can have those expectations to repeat those performances. And even with 10 sacks still doesn't come out looking like a quality player on a down to down basis. He had a couple of games last season where he picked up multiple sacks and that can often skew what your perspective is by the time you get to the end of it. And you just look at the numbers, you know, Antoine Bethea can give you a hundred plus tackles in a season. It doesn't mean that he had a good season for this team. So I, I am pretty on board with you there. I'll just be curious to see how the giants choose to address that area of need knowing how some of these pieces are moving, heading towards that free agency on March 15th. Uh, the last piece, and we'll get you out of here on the update, Joe Judge coming through here. We've had some, some nice little quotes from him during the combine week. Obviously, he's guaranteed no one a position starting. That, that seemed like just fun fodder. But one of the most recent quotes about him was saying that he's not looking to bring in veteran players to, quote, teach the young guys. He's looking to bring in players to contribute and help this team get better. It can be specific to the, some of those Patriot players that are going to be out there, the, the Van Noys or uh, the, the McCordys of the world. But what do you, how do you think Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman look to come into this free agency period? You know, you come off that clowny piece saying, older, some injury concerns. My sense is that, the, that, that whether or not it's the top available free agent at a given position, that the Giants want to get younger and just bring the floor of this roster up a little bit so that you know on a week-to-week basis after whatever you get in the draft, you're going to have a higher level of talent capable of coming in rotationally to, to hopefully move the needle, especially defensively, and then obviously give a little more balance on the offensive side as well. Yeah, so let's break it down to three things. First, 
what the heck do we expect us to say here? <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> right. He's not supposed to, he's not going to say, oh yeah, we're bringing people to teach other places. It's, it's never going to happen. So that, that question from the reporter is, you know, questionable itself. Two, um, everything points to Gettleman bringing in um, talent, young talent, and any veteran presence is to develop other young talent. So you, you look at the defensive side of the ball, what talent do you really want to bring in there or what veteran talent do you want to bring in there to develop the younger talent? Maybe at cornerback, maybe at defensive line to develop um, Lawrence a little bit more. But, you know, we look at an edge rusher, we don't really have, you know, young talent to develop there. So I think they're trying to get some young talent that prioritize that over, over a veteran. And three, um, this doesn't really change my view of, of the opportunity to get a Patriots type of play like a Van Noy or anybody like that. Um, you know, it's, it's more about being a known quantity, right? So it's, it's judge and a lot of his coaches are pulling from the Patriots because they know those players and they know the type of work ethic they have and the mentality they have and also the talent that they have because they see them every day in practice. Um, if you look at a, I don't know, pick a team like the Raiders, right? If they, if they want to sign Van Noy, you know, and they have the same grade, same everything as the Giants, you know, same talent, they're hearing the same things. They might offer him a little bit less in a perfect world just because it's, it's more risk to them. You know, finance 101, less risk, higher uh, asset value. So, yeah, they might pull the trigger a little quicker um, on, a, on a Van Noy type of presence if it makes sense. But, you know, it's more about culture. It's more about finding veterans that de help develop younger talent. Um, you know, you look at a, a Devin McCourty, does it make sense? A little bit. Um, but maybe they bring somebody in there, but there's only two safety slots, right? Um, so this doesn't really affect it, that quote. He, had, he, had to, he was forced to say that, and uh, we'll see what they do. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how Judge starts building that, that culture and how they do it. Already, he already has uh, multiple expatriate coaches on his staff. Um, I don't know if that translates into into players as well, but we'll see. Yeah, and I tend to my takeaway tends to be don't put any stock really in what comes out at this time of season when it comes from coaches or general managers or even even players when they're talking about where they want to go and what they want to be doing. But it will be interesting as March 15th approaches and hopefully early days of free agency, we're going to get a real sense of where Joe Judge, Gettleman, and the Giants are looking to go to start the rebuild process here. Uh, one quick footnote I will say before we do get let you go is Evan Ingram, it just came out recently, right, that the Giants may look to trade him. Uh, we've, we've had this conversation, Andy and myself, I, I've been kind of saying this for a while now that he just isn't a player that has, unfortunately, when you draft a tight end in the first round, you're already setting yourself up for, for a bit of a disappointment in terms of return on that value. He's been injured, often hurt. I don't think there's really a huge trade market for him. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up somewhere else and has a healthy and strong season at some point along the way. But is there anything, is there any legitimacy to thinking that the Giants could move Evan Ingram at some point before the draft? Yes, I think there, there's a ton of legitimacy there. Before the draft, I mean, we'll see. That, that's a quick turnaround. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think that's a, that's a real possibility. And I think it's, you know, it's actually a good idea. If you look at Odell Beckham and, and Landon Collins are another talented players that Gettleman didn't want because of the cap hit, right, mm -hmm. and, and some other reasons too. But if you can get some sort of uh, return on that, yeah. You know, he hasn't been healthy. And he's, you know, what, a couple more years on his rookie deal? 
So this is the time to do it if you want to get any type of value for him. Otherwise, he, you know, let's say he gets hurt, you know, four games of the next season, six games the next season after that, and but he's being productive outside of that. He's going to look for a big payday. Giants know this. He's probably going to leave anyway. You might as well get a, you know, maybe a third round pick for him or something, you know, for a team looking for a tight end right before the draft. It does make a lot of sense on paper. And there are some rumors to it. Um, some of the younger Giants fans don't want to hear it, but you know, that does sound like a good idea. Yeah. I, I, I hope from, from your lips to Andy Makowitz's ears, because I've been trying to convince him that you just need to move on from, from this player at a certain point. And hopefully again, the play of Caden Smith really this past season, I think bears out that idea of what you truly need a tight end. You can have one of those unique talents like a Rob Gronkowski that is just a freak, but, but that isn't what Evan Ingram has proven to be even just from a health standpoint. So when you see some quality play from a Caden Smith that you bring in off the practice squad from the 49ers, you think about getting, somebody later in the draft as well you can pretty quickly restock that position for the Giants and really you still have other weapons as well across the offense that you can rely on so uh, I'm going to be interested to see about that one that's just kind of one that I've been hanging my hat on for a while and it's always nice when you know you think you, you think you're on to something and it finally comes to fruition That'll, uh, that'll do it for the, uh, we'll call it the Giants 24-7 update here on the One Giant Podcast. As I mentioned at the top of the show, you can follow Zach Feish, uh, Fishbein. Ooh, that was, I'm sorry, Zach. Came so close there. Zach Fishbein <laughs> on Instagram at Giants.247. Again, doing a fantastic job with updates in and around the New York football Giants. Zach, thank you so much for coming on with us. We hope we can do it again soon. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, looking forward to the next time. 